Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bloomscast. My name is Seth, aka Phantasma Blooms, and I'm coming to you pre recorded from the game room. As always, I thank you for tuning in today. If this is your first episode, well, I'd like to thank you for tuning in and allowing me and Bloomscast to be your source of entertainment for the next amount of time because. Let's be fair, I have no clue how long this episode is going to go for. I don't take enough notes to have any idea. You guys are lucky because you guys get to see the finished product and get to know how long this episode is. I have unfortunately had a bit of a problem where I keep superseding whatever podcast length I had for the previous episodes. I think my last podcast, which I want to talk about a little bit too before we really get started, uh, was like an hour 30. I'm hoping to keep it around the same time because, yo, the longer I talk, the later it gets and the less sleep I get for work the next day. But my returning listeners already know that, and to them, I just want to say thank you so much for coming back for another episode. I hope you enjoy this one as much as you've enjoyed the others that convinced you to stick around. But before I really get started here, (laughs) um, I really just want to say I know this is kind of early to say, But because it's only been like two days since the last episode's released from the time of me recording this one. But the college episode, the last one I've released, has received so much positive feedback that seriously, I just want to take a second and thank y'all for allowing me to do this. Allowing me to build a small audience out in podcast land on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. And just be able to impart some life lessons and you guys, like, actually have fun with it and you feel better about it. Like, my sweet Jules um, sent me a message as she was listening to it and she's like, you motivated me so much. Um, I really did feel like everything was going to be okay. Like, you really just eased so many of my concerns. And a couple of other people have reached out saying similar things. And I just... It absolutely melts my heart. So, if you enjoyed the last episode, or if you haven't listened to it yet, please consider going back and listening to it. But I do just want to say thank you all so much for allowing me to do this. I want to keep doing this, and I hope you're having fun. And I want to encourage more conversation. And that's why today's episode is going to be about your new top 10 definitive anime list. And because I know you won't disagree with me, I'm going to give you information on how you can find me. You can find me on Twitch Monday, Wednesday, Friday at about 8 p.m. EST. Where you can live talk with me about why my list is the greatest one out there. Or you can shoot me an email at plumescast, P-L-U-M-E-S-C-A-S-T, at gmail.com. And tell me why you just absolutely love your new anime list. You know, I'm giving this out with a 30-day guarantee. After that, you're on your own. (laughs) Or you can shoot me a tweet at, you know, Phantasm Plumes on Twitter and just say, yo, you're a piece of shit. And I will fully admit, yes, you are correct. (laughs) Your tastes are shit. Why, yes, you are also correct. (laughs) But I do want to just, like, give you all some groundwork on how all this is going to work out. So I have two lists. So originally... Uh, I was going to talk about confronting your fears and all that kind of stuff, but chat came up to me, I believe Monday night, and was like, hey, or no, Friday, maybe. I don't remember. (laughs) It all blends together, really. Um, You guys wanted my top ten anime list. 
So I ended up, it took me about a couple of days, you know, I want to say like four days to really narrow this down. Because let me just preference this with this. I have watched less than 10 anime in the past five years. Like 10 series from start to finish. Or even not, like a significant amount of episodes. Past like episode three. I have watched less than 10 anime in the past five years. I am not that big into anime anymore. And it's funny because the way I present myself when I talk about anime and stuff and I talk about manga, it seems like I'm deep in it. Like all my free time is spent watching anime and consuming manga while, you know, doing X other weeaboo things. And really, it's so far from the truth. Like, I'm usually out doing, like, errands and shit. Now, mind you, I listen to, like, Japanese music and, like, anime-type shit in the car all the fucking time. But, you know, the main reason I really can keep up with anime and all is because I got a bunch of friends that are still deep in it. And I get myself in deep enough that I can keep up with what's going on and what's popular. But I don't know any specifics. So basically, if you want to come up to me and talk to me about, you know, Demon Slayer, I know the general premise of the story. That's about it. You can tell me all about how, um, God, I can't even think of main character's name, um, but how he goes through and uses the fire-breathing technique and the water-breathing technique to combine. Like, I know about that because it shows up on my recommended and I see tip or see tits. (laughs) I mean, some of you, some of you motherfuckers I follow on Twitter absolutely are unafraid and unabashed about retweeting your fucking titties, and I respect it. You are the reason why I can't check Twitter in public. But, um, you guys post clips and stuff, and I see it, and I'm like, oh, that's, you know, interesting. I really want to say Izuku, but that's so wrong. I know that's My Hero Academia. I just, Midoriya? No, that's also <laughs> I'm sorry. It is getting late. My brain is not functioning as well as it should. But anyway, so I know enough about what's going on. And Tanjiro, Tanjiro, that's his name. I got it. Ah, that was going to bother me for the rest of this podcast if I didn't come up with his fucking name. Don't ask me about anything else about Demon Slayer. <laughs> but anyway, so I know enough to keep up with it. And, like, when I go to cons and stuff, I'm at least aware of, like, what characters belong to what, for the most part. That's about it. I really, like, as I started working professionally, and especially as I got out of college, um, I turned to manga because I work so much with computers and all that I try to limit how much tech time I have outside of the office. And I'd rather pick up a book and read it through and have more fun with that than watch something on TV or anything like that. So, that said, a lot of my anime that I have here are older. Um, Some of them are still going on, I believe. Some of them are getting a season two coming up. And some of them have been going on for such a long while that, honestly, like, you probably just know it even if you don't know anime. Because it's just that popular. But anyway, so I kind of narrowed this all down to two lists. I have a bonus mentions list, which I'm going to quickly kind of go through real fast. Because I want to I give like a couple of anime that had an influence on 
what I watched and how I watched and how I got into it. Um, and then I have my top 10, which is not a fi- like a definitive list. This shit changes so often. I have like a maybe set pl- like top two, top three. But other than that, everything else just kind of goes up and down based on how I'm feeling for the day. But anyway, when I go through these lists, I'm going to give you the name of the anime, obviously. I'm going to try and give you the proper genre. I'm going to give you my synopsis as as I remember it. And I'm going to tell you why I put it there. All right? Now, mind you, my synopsises are not going to be mal-level stuff. Unfortunately, I really don't like having notes for when I go through and talk about these things. So really, I'm doing that good old, you're walking with your friend, and they're trying to convince you to watch this anime, but they can't remember jack shit about it really either. So, you know, you gotta just sit there and it's like, is it interesting enough? I guess. I don't know, the premise seems interesting. So, with that said, some of these I'm gonna remember better than others because of how recently I've seen them. Others, you know, obviously fall off by the wayside. Uh, and I kind of keep things, you know, obscure enough so that way I don't spoil anything accidentally. It's, you know, it's really, you know, me being smart and saving you guys a ruined show. It's not me being stupid. I'm doing y'all a favor. <laughs> but without further ado, my very first episode, or my very first anime I want to talk about on my bonus mention list, of which there are five. I want to talk about Samurai Champloo, alright? If you haven't seen Samurai Champloo, think of it as a blend between the new and the old in art style and presentation. The music is very much kind of DJ-esque. There's a lot of scratches here and there. Um, But it maintains that older, formal tone of feudal Japan. The story is basically about these two samurai who are completely different... Uh, helping this one girl name I want to say her name's Fu. I think that's right. Uh, to find a samurai that smells of sunflowers. Alright. Samurai A, I think his name's Mugen. I'm pretty sure on that one. I cannot remember Samurai B for the life of me right now. Um, but Samurai A is your rough and tough, doesn't do anything by the book, very wild in his fighting style type samurai. That's quick to go off instinct. While Samurai B is very much the polar opposite. The one that follows the rules. Calculates things out if he can. Jin. That's his name. Oh my god, I remembered it. Oh, my memories. They're coming back to me. I was like, I really wanted to look at Mal before I did any of this. Just so that way I could put everything together. But I was so worried that if I went into all that and I had all 15 anime, I would start mixing names. And God, it, I already did that with fucking Izuku and Tanjiro, man. And I didn't even look them up. <laughs> but anyway, so you have those three. And they are basically going through feudal Japan. Uh, helping people along their way to find the samurai that smells of sunflowers. It is a very gorgeous show i love the it kind of almost reminds me of boondocks to some degree in the way that the shading works and i think if you look at it you kind of see it too um but is comedy it has action and it's an adventure by all means if you like those older samurai type shows give it a watch now the reason i put it there 
was this was actually the first anime that I watched in college. I had uh, Adam and one of our other buddies. Like, we went over to uh, their dorm. He was the one that introduced it to us. And we, excuse me, we would sit there every, like, Tuesday or so, or after class, order a pizza, and watch episodes of Samurai Champloo. Now, I have never finished Samurai Champloo. Adam, if you're listening to this, I have still never finished Samurai Champloo. <laughs> it's been years. And I've prom like, I am on, like, episode 13 of 15. Something like that. I'm so close to finishing it. I just never have. Just because, like, I feel as though it's a chapter of my college life that I never wanted to end because I had so much fun. It was just cool because we would go over there, we'd watch Samurai Champloo for a while, and then I'd watch them play, like, Destiny 2 for a while, and we'd just hang out. And that was kind of, like, the start of my college experience. I'm not trying to build that off of, like, the previous college episode, giving you some continuity within the Bloom Cinematic Universe. But, <laughs> you know, the Bloom's podcast universe. But, honestly, I just have very fond memories of that. And I, well, and I actually own Samurai Champloo. Like, that was another thing I did before I started look, thinking about, like, which animes were my favorite um, I have a box of, like, movies and DVDs and Blu-rays of different animes that I have. And, because it's not going to be the next one, but the one after this next one, uh, next anime I'm about to talk about, uh, I used to watch with Jaleel often. Like, we'd have anime nights. And a couple of these have ended up on my list because of Jaleel and our experiences. And I'll go more into that a little bit later. But I still do own Samurai Champloo. One of these days I will finish it. I promise. It's just getting me to sit down to watch anime is one of the hardest things. Even if I'm enjoying it. Like to give you one more example before I continue on here. Uh, Adam and I were watching Toradora. I have never seen Toradora. He showed me two episodes. I fell in love with the show. I have not watched another episode since. I have made active plans to try and watch this, and something comes up every single time I'm sitting down to watch it. And it's like, I'm almost tempted to... Because here's one thing about me, is I have a hard time going to bed at a decent hour. I'm very much a night owl. Hell, by the time I'm done recording this, it'll probably be midnight, and it's like 10.23 now. Um... But I absolutely try and give myself, like, a power-down session where it's, like, I read manga. And, like, before I used to watch anime, I might just bring back anime and just watch an episode and be like, all right, it's time for sleepy times, you know? Maybe. I don't know if it worked, but it's willing. If it gets me through some of my backlog, which is an extensive fucking backlog, I would probably do it. Now, to swap gears... Here's bonus mention number two. And this is one that you guys have probably heard about. If you ever gone to a con and they have talked about obscure anime that you have probably never heard of, this next anime is marketed so much differently than how the show actually goes about 75% of the time. That's right. I'm talking about Symphogear. Now, Symphogear has a very devoted fan base and for good reasons the music is top notch like i absolutely love the music from symphogear i still listen to some of the songs from symphogear despite the fact that i hate the series 
I absolutely hate it. And I'll explain a little bit why, you know, because there's two reasons why. Um, But the reason, like, actually, no, there's three reasons. And I'll give you one of the reasons now. One of the main ways Symphogear was advertised to me, and I can't remember if it's season three or season four. Pretty sure it's season three. It starts off episode one. The girls are, because it's about three girls, uh, Chris, uh, Hibiki, and Tsubasa. Like, those are your main three uh, that use, basically, it's like, um, okay, let me explain what Sinful Gear is, first off. Sinful Gear is like a magical girl idol show in space kind of thing. Um, basically, in order for the girls to transform, they have to sing. The way the show works is everything is based off of song energy. So... A lot of the songs have so much impact and so much character, and it's so fucking good if you just take the songs and use those. Like, Chris's song from season one, Bye Bye Lullaby, is my alarm, because it has one of the greatest fucking lines, if you're a good child, then go to hell. I, it's probably not the exact line like that. Uh, no, it's like, something like that. And, you know, if you're a good kid, go to sleep. And then immediately follows through with, go to hell, you know, whatever. I'm, I've been, I've been talking all day. I can't say <laughs> this is not, this is not the karaoke stream. If y'all want me to get to karaoke stream, we can talk about that on the Twitch stream, actually. But anyway, <laughs> Um, so it's all about these songs and like the power behind the songs and the power of what music has on the world. And by that premise alone, I was absolutely invested because I like that premise. If you guys have ever heard of the game called Eternal Sonata on like Xbox 360 and PS3, very similar idea where music is very fucking prevalent. But anyway... The thing that I really started to dislike about Symphogear, and mind you, going back to, you know, the scene from, like, early season three or early season four, the girls are coming down, like, the ship's coming down, they're, uh, the ship's about to hit a mountain, the girls sing to transform, and they rush out, and they punch, like, uh, Hibiki punches the fuck out of a mountain and levels it. Like, takes out an entire chunk of a mountain. Like, and I'm not talking just, like, a, you know, a corner piece. No, she punches through the mountain and takes off at least three fucking feet, if not more. Probably more than that. You know what? Maybe three stories. I don't know. But she takes out a whole ass chunk like, if you were cutting a banana, and you cut in three pieces, and you took out that middle piece, that was it. She took out that piece <laughs> with one punch. Ayo, I was hyped when my old roommate showed me that. And you know what? Ow, sorry. <laughs> I just kicked the mic. I apologize. Um, and you know what? I was super about it. And season one, absolutely great. Okay. Season one, I really enjoyed because it builds up the characters, it builds up the plot, 
it has some angst to it because it has to. And the animation's not that great. And the music's not 100% there either. But it sets the tone for the show. I am absolutely enthralled. Season 1 ends magnificently. Season 2 comes around. I'm getting more of the things that I like. The things that I don't like are getting better. And it just, like, it feels as though they're going higher and higher, like the stakes are higher and higher. And you start to wonder, like, how high can they go? I don't want to give any spoilers to any of it because it's such an off-the-wall show. But you understand, you know, you have the start of a season with one of your main girls punching a full-ass layer out of a mountain. All right? That should probably tell you how, like, extreme this show is at times. But the problem also comes back from the story. So, I kind of define Symphogear as an X, okay? Where it starts off, the story is super strong, and the characterization is super strong. It's really good at the beginning. And then, towards season 3, season 4, season 5, it goes down. On the flip side, the animation is poor and the music isn't 100% really great yet, season 1. But as it continues on, season 3, season 4, season 5, it gets so good. It's such good eye candy. But you have, like, and this is, like, one of the reasons why I'm sitting here agitated about it. Because I believe it's either season 3 or season 4. There's a big subplot about Hibiki Stab. And... My roommate at the time skipped through it. Because he's like, oh, we don't need to know about this. This took up a significant chunk of the anime. And then there's, like, one of the later seasons, you're having characters relapse into their season one tropes that you think they should have already grown out of. They, they have proven to be out of it because they have obtained skills that show that they are stronger than that. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, no, the, the padding, padding, padding. And it's just like, and you see, le- and, like, the... Another big problem is, like, you see less of the background characters. One of my favorite characters from that show, I don't remember her name, but I call her Anime Mitai because that was her catchphrase. She was always like, oh, this is just like an anime, blah, 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 blah. Like, these were Hibiki's friends, Hibiki and Miku, which was, like, a side character, um, but was also, like, the best friend to Hibiki and pretty much love interest. They were great gal pals. Um, (laughs) But... They end up phasing those characters more out and out through season two. Well, no, season two, they were very prevalent. Season three, they're kind of less prevalent. Season four, I don't think they even showed up. And season five, even less. And it's like you have all these interesting characters. And instead of developing stories around them. And like, for example, the leader, I feel like his name's Gendro. Um... This dude's a fucking macho man, dude. Like, dude will straight up fight somebody that's attacking him with a magical sword barehanded and win. Or at least hold him off. Or a magical whip, I think it was at the time. Um, And, like, do significant damage. He loses his shoes because he is in a fight. And he shakes it the fuck off. There's business ninja... That's like Subasa's manager. That absolutely cool character that ends up getting pushed more and more to the side. 
And then you have Anime Mitai and Hibiki's friends. They have one of the greatest anime songs ever known to man. It's all about beef stroganoff. One of the fucking lines in the song is, boys don't know about our beef stroganoff. I don't know if that's actually part of the song or if it's a fucking meme at this point. But Ayo, I still don't know about their beef stroganoff. But it makes me so sad because it's such a happy-go-lucky song. And those characters just get relegated to nothing. And it's just like, I don't... I start not caring for, you know, Mook of the Week. And uh, and it's like, it hurts. Because you have less of these impressive fighting scenes. And more of these, oh, we're going to do something. Oh, something bad happens. Oh, this was so predictable. Alright, now we gotta go heal. And it feels, I don't want to say it feels closer to like Dragon Ball and that kind of mindset, because it's definitely not. Dragon Ball has much better chore- or choreographs fighting scenes. Um, and that's saying something. But, <laughs> but mind you, I love Dragon Ball. All right? I absolutely adore Dragon Ball. It did not make the list, but by all means, great series. Um, but yeah, no. And like the worst part of it was also why I hate Symphogear 2 is... My roommate at the time forced a couple of buddies and I to watch it whenever he had the opportunity to. Um, he would straight up, like, we. I remember one time we were out with some friends. It was me, him, and a couple of our other buddies. And he was having, like, a whole-on hissy fit because we weren't watching, you know, Symphogear. So, like, anytime we're like, oh, yeah, you know, what do you want to do, bro? And he's like, well, we could be at home watching Symphogear. And it's just like, buddy, nobody cares about Symphogear except for you. Like, we'll watch it. Because it's getting to the part where, like, it's not as good anymore. Which sucks, because there's so much production value. I want to like it. But when I look at the overall storylines of things, it just doesn't hold up as well as I want it to. And based on what I'm presented when I'm, like, being told about it, it just doesn't hold that same amount of power. You know? It's like... My best example I could give for this... All right, imagine as if you watch a car, or like, I want to show you a quick five-minute car crash in the last NASCAR race. I know that's fucked up, but this is the best thing I can come up with. You see the crash, you see what happens, you see how people maneuver around it and continue on for like a great victory. And then when you go and watch it yourself, you have to watch from lap zero, and that crash doesn't happen until... You know, lap 100. Ooh, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. Um, th- so that that is ultimately been my big problem with it. Don't like if you're gonna show me the best of the best on that show, let me know that up front and don't put my expectations so high. But anyway, that that's enough of that. Now to swap things over to a more lighthearted topic. This one's gonna be quick and easy. This is the next one on my special uh, mentions list is Gungrave. All right, this is one of those shows I watch with Jaleel. It's a action. I kind of want to say somewhat suspense um, about. And I can't even really remember what it's about. It's mainly like a mobster type story, but the main character Brandon Heat is one of the most generic anime dudes ever, and I love it. It's so bad. Like, Jaleel and I watched this in English, alright? Which was the superior way to watch it. Because there was a couple of scenes in there that were made so much better by the English dub. One of my favorite scenes, because, like, this is how Jaleel and I, like, spent anime nights. Is I would 
pick up a random, you know, Blu-ray or whatever off of Amazon. We would order a pizza and we would binge an entire series in a night. It was great. <laughs> like we would find a open night and just watch almost all of a series. If it was like a twelve episode, we could watch it all in a night. Or if it was longer than that, we'd break it out between a couple of different nights. It was so much fun. I love those nights. Those are some of my favorite memories with Jaleel. Um, But as we're watching this, there's a couple of scenes in there that just really stand out. Because this is like a cheesy anime. Like, it starts off in some dystopian-esque kind of future. It doesn't really ever get back to it. And then it flashes back to the past for the rest of the anime. And it's just like, it never makes that much sense. I feel like there's stuff about, like, mutations and all that, but I can't really remember. But this is my pitch for you to watch this in English. So there's this one scene where a mobster's kid goes back to his mobster father. And he's just like, Father, you know, I've, I've done the thing. I've, you know, taken care of things. I'm, you should be so proud of me. And the dad just slaps the shit out of him. And the guy just goes, ah! And mind you, his voice prior to... Father, I have taken care of the enemy. We have done... You know, you should be so proud of me. (laughs) It's so bad. It's so bad, but so good. And then there's a fight scene later on where I think Brandon is, you know, shooting... Like, it's a big shooting gun type, you know, anime. Obviously, guns, whatever. Um, But there's, like, two characters talking out to the side while this huge fight is going on. You know, they're trying to get away. And you can see in the background, one of the enemies is getting fucking yosemite sand up into the fucking oblivion by bullets. Like, you're just... Like, you... I'm sorry. I am so sorry. This is not professional whatsoever. But you just see this fucker getting shot up to the side. One bullet after another. And you just see him, like, bouncing up. Oh my god, please, please go watch Gungrave. You'll see that scene, and I want you to message me when you see it, and be like, Seth, I saw the scene. Alright, I've already been talking about 30 minutes. Let me kind of speed up the rest of the bonus messages right quick. There's two more I wanted to talk about. I want, I really want people to watch Wacky TV Na Na Na. If you haven't heard about this show, which is probably fair, because it's like... One of the ones that I stumbled upon on, like, Crunchyroll while watching around with Chozo. Um, But it is about a series, or it's about a crew of bananas that gets sent out to what is basically Africa to find what is known as a kina. And what the kina is, is a mythical creature that has the body of a cat and the head of a pigeon. And the best part about this fucking thing is this pigeon is just like they recorded a pigeon and they just photoshopped its head over this fucking body. Like you can see where they cut the line in the cat that they animated or like puppeteered or whatever. And you just see like this pigeon. It is the greatest fucking show ever. Alright, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but there's so many like... These are five-minute-long episodes, right? Five-minute-long episodes. Maybe some are a little bit longer, some are a little bit shorter. You can watch this, like, entirety of season one, because I think there's, like, three seasons in a day, easily. But 
there's this one like the way the camera crew and like the whole crew work together with each other is so off the walls because they talk as though they don't want to like inconvenience anybody like it's almost as if you put me chozo and jaleel in a room and we you know you gave us a general script and we ad-libbed it that's basically how it is and is the greatest fucking thing ever like i will give you two scenes because this like series is filled with great scenes but two scenes to sell you on this all right so there's this one scene where one of the, or where the captain of the crew has gotten his head caught in like a boa constrictor basically because they're out again they're out in like some tropical jungle trying to find the kina and they call like they're like the guys are all sitting together like what do we do what do we do and he's like oh uh i worked with somebody that did an animal or animal documentary uh let me call him he was the host so they call him and like they have this whole conversation about like Hey man, you know how's it going? And he's like, oh, you know, it, it's good. I've been kind of hanging out after the last shoot. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, where are you at? And he's like, oh yeah, no, I'm in this like this jungle. And they're like, dude, you're in the jungle. And he's like, yeah, no. Nah, the last time I and uh, the last time I was there, like I was in the jungle or I was at the beaches of like Rio or something. There's so many beautiful girls there. And the dude just goes on like a full-on conversation about how these women were so gorgeous and how he loved them. And meanwhile, in the back, the captain's head's just getting squished more and more. And like at one point, the captain just kind of like taps him. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do we take care of this constrictor? And he's like, oh, yeah, no, just rub the scales in the opposite direction. It'll loosen because it hates that. And it's actually a true fact. But after the fact... The captain gets on the phone with the dude, and he's like, dude, I almost died, like, and you're over here talking about cute girls, like, when are you going to introduce me to one? <laughs> oh, it's so, it's so good, guys. And it, I'm going to give you this next scene out of context. So, later on in the series, we rejoin the crew, they're at a bar, they are, they need money, and... They basically the way this bar works, it's a karaoke bar where if you do really well, people will pay you. However, if you do terribly, they get to beat the shit out of you and toss you to the curb. So the boss tosses his two uh, co workers up on the stage and he's like, You guys sing, you got this. And they end up belting. The greatest melody in English. Mind you, this is all in Japanese. But they end up doing this, like, full-ass amazing opera in English. Like, to give you a taste of it, I'm going to try and imitate it with my weakening voice. But here's a line from it that I remember. The boss says to me every day, no money. No budget. Like something like that. And they sing it so fucking amazingly. You guys need to watch it, please. So good. I want more people to talk about Wacky TV Na Na Na. I would put it on my top tens, but I can't because it's just like, it's so off the fucking wall that it just, it, it doesn't deserve the top ten spot, but damn it, it deserves the honorable mention. Last but not least, I want to talk about Welcome to Demon School Iruma-kun. Alright, this one's 
was a little more well-known. That's actually kind of how I saw it. Uh, Crunchyroll was promoting it a lot on their Twitter. Um, but this is about... It's kind of... I don't want to say it's an isekai because it's not. But it's about... Well, it kind of is. It's similar in the vein of Rosario and Vampire where a human gets sent over to a monster school. But it's fucked up how Irma gets there. Because Irma basically gets sold off by his parents to a demon to pay off their debts. And the parents just don't give a shit. But instead of the demon being like some merciless, destructive, you know, terrible thing, he is the nicest grandpa known to ma'am. And it's just like, he loves Irma. He absolutely cares about his new grandson's well-being. He sends him off to this, you know, high school, the demon school, where basically the whole plot of the show is... As you do better in school, you rank up within, you know, the class system. And Irma ends up befriending, like, this group of misfits who all, like, even the background characters all have such great personalities. Like, I watched, I binged this with my buddy Osmaneku Keith. Um, like, I think it was either 4th of July or New Year's Eve, something like that. Uh, I was spending the night over at his place for a couple of nights for a vacation. And we watched, like, most of this whole thing. And it's so good. Like, it's such a refreshing take on, like, school anime where it's just... It's not the whole, oh, you know, I can't... It's not gonna happen like that, you know. It's... The main character can't pull through. No, it's just, like... It's funny. It's mainly comedy-driven. Like, the very first day... Uh, Iruma is basically told to read the spell because it will, you know, like, that's that's how, like, this inauguration works kind of thing. And it ends up being the most destructive spell in the history of magic. And he reads it perfectly and everybody just instantly swarms. He's just like, whoa, the new kid just bailed out of this, like, destructive spell that could have killed him if he got it wrong he doesn't know this as he's saying it and it's just oh it's so good and like he gets you know as as marius as kun uh as his like one of his best friends and then he's got clara which clara is the greatest sweetheart but he ends up getting like these group of friends in the misfit class and he ends up getting into the student council and it's just such a refreshing take on the whole school genre with, you know, magical elements tossed in. I really want to say it's this generation's Rosario and Vampire. Because what that did and what this one does, it's so similar. Except way less etchy. I will say that off the rip. There's not a whole bunch of, like, fan service type scenes as you would have seen in, like, Rosario and Vampire. At least in the anime. But anyway... Whew. I've already been talking for 40 minutes, and I haven't even started on my 10 of 10 anime list. Ooh, you guys are in for a treat. Alright, so I, I will try and keep this a little bit shorter, because I know, obviously, my synopsises have been around, like, off the board and stuff. Um, so, I will kind of reduce them down, and try and keep it to name, genre, synopsis, and why I put it there. Okay. So... My number 10 anime, I'm starting from the bottom. My number 10 anime. The Devil's a Part-Timer. 
right? This is another one of those reverse isekai type shows where at the very beginning you see our main character, Mal, get defeated by the hero, Emilia. And in order to save himself, he warps to our world, loses almost all of his powers in doing so, uh, and, you know, is like, oh, well, I'm going to take over the world, blah, 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 this is my new world to conquer. The next scene, we see him working in a McDonald's. I swear to God, Satan works in a McRonald's. It is the funniest show. Alright, this is one I watched with Jaleel. And we used to do a yearly rewatch. Season 2 is actually dropping soon, which I'm super excited about. Because it's been years since season 1. But the show is basically about, you know, these demons and heroes coming across the border to our world. And basically integrating into society. And then dealing with, you know... The enemies that are coming through uh, that aren't used to society are like, you're the devil king, or you're the demon king, I must kill you. And it's just like, oh, no, I don't really do that anymore. No, that's not me. Like, one of the main characters they end up fighting, uh, Asriel? Or no, is that right? No, I don't think that's, no, it might be right. Anyway, dude comes across, no, maybe, maybe it is Asriel. I'm really trying to sit and think. I, I can't remember off the top. I really wish I looked up some of these. But anyway, one of the characters, come, or one of the, you know, Demon Lord characters comes over. And he's like, oh, you're weak now. I can take you kind of thing. And ends up, you know, try, like, ends up trying to, like, take over all of Tokyo by destroying shit left and right. And after Mal beats him... He just basically becomes, like, a party member, and he hangs out at... <laughs> or he ends up living with the Demon King. I re- I feel like his name's Asriel. I've, I'm feeling like that's right, but I'm also... I might be getting him confused with, you know, silver-haired, uh, second-hand-in-command. But it's cool, because you get to see, like, this juxtaposition between, you know, the hero, Amelia, who, you know, ends up becoming an office worker... And Mal, who, you know, is just working at a McRonald's. And both of them have lost their powers. But they both kind of figure out that, like, hey, if we work together, we can survive in this world better. And they actually become kind of friends towards the end of season one. Um, where, like, they interact with each other much on much easier terms and work together uh, to defeat whatever big bad's coming through. And I'm really curious to see where season two goes with it. But you still have, like, other characters that, like, aren't involved with the Demon World stuff. Um, like Emmy, who is Mao's co-worker, who's just a typical human girl that has a big crush on Mao that ends up, like, creating this love triangle between him and Amelia and her. And she's like, that's my man, you know? Or, like, she gets all jealous and stuff. And... I don't know. I, I, I really... I can't sell it a whole bunch well, but it's, if you were tired of isekais, this is a really good reverse isekai that I highly recommend because it's just... It's so fucking funny, and it's so different. Like, I remember there's a subplot towards the end of season one where Mal and the rest of the McRonald's gang is competing against a KFC knockoff, and I think one of the other demon generals is, like, heading it, 
Because he's like, I'm going to defeat you in your own new domain. He's just like, you sack of shit. <laughs> it's so, so good. Anyway, I recommend, wa- I watched that one, uh, I watched that one dubbed, actually, English dubbed. English dubs are very funny. The Japanese sub is very good. Whichever way you decide to li- watch it, highly recommend it. Number nine on my list, all right, is Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works. Now, if you remember at the beginning of this podcast, I said that some of these shows I cannot give you a synopsis about. This is unfortunately one of those shows, all right? Because unfortunately, Fate Stay Night is one, or just the Fate series in general, is one of those series that it's extremely hard to explain. And, and for me at least, it's hard to remember which route is which. Because right now, there's three main anime adaptations. There is, I want to say, Fate Stay Night. There's Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works. And there's, um... Fuck. Fuck. Oh, I lost it. I had it in my head. Uh, Heaven's Feel. Heaven's Feel. Fate Stay... Or Fate... Heaven's Feel. Fate Stay Heaven's Feel? I, I can't remember. Regardless... If you have ever heard of the Fate series, it's all based off of this visual novel of the same name that I want to say is like 100 hours to beat because there are three main diverging paths. And depending on the path that you go down, you end up with a different heroine. And that's what each of the anime tried to do. I want to say Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works is Rin's route where Shiro and Rin work together a lot more. I may be confusing that with Fate Stay Night, um, but I'm not entirely sure. I apologize. I really should have looked at these things up. But, and like Heaven's Feel, I know for a fact is Sakura's route. But regardless, if you want a show that has some of the most top-notch like anime fights and some of the best music to go with it, Fate is your series. There's a lot of different spots to jump into Fate. But I... And, like, I wish I could give you, you know, the definitive way to jump in. Okay? If you are brand new to anime and you're like, I want to watch Fate. I can't tell you where to start. I really can't. Like, there's some guides online that will give you some general explanation. Uh, Gigic. Um, Gigic on YouTube. He has a really good Fate video. But, like... Honestly, I went into it the wrong way, 100%. Like, I ended up watching one of the Heaven's Fields movies first because I like Sakura as a character because I started my Fate deep dive with Fate Extra, which was a PSP game that has nothing to do with, like, the Fate series, you know, that main visual novel series. That's a whole extra side series, like, that has now three games, and it's just like, bro... (laughs) And then you have Fate Grand Order on the side, and it's a whole different thing. Which, by the way, I will say this. I will take this opportunity to say uh, Fate Grand Order, any of the anime adaptations are really good. Like, if you don't want to play the mobile game, and it's completely understandable why you don't want to play the mobile game, I had a whole episode of Plumescast talking about gacha games and why you shouldn't play Fate Geo, even though it is a good game. I do recommend it. Um, but had a whole episode about it. The anime adaptations are extremely faithful, do an amazing job of com- uh, basically going through what will have taken you hours to get to in the mobile game in, like, a season of anime. Highly recommend it. Anyway, 
feet overall, except for Prisma Ilya, which is one of the most lolly bait weird things out there. Oh, it's very comedy driven, but it has a lot of questionable scenes. That's the one part of Fate I really try and steer people away from. Uh, the Fate Carnival series, that's funny as fuck. The Fate Go Carnival, also funny as fuck. Uh, cooking with the Emia family, wholesome as fuck. Like, there's so many avenues of where you can jump into Fate. So really, number nine should just be the Fate series in general. I haven't watched all of it. Of all of it that I have watched, Unlimited Blade Works, I remember being my favorite because of the fight with Shiro and Gilgamesh. That, by all means, and obviously you don't know who these characters are, but by all means is one of my favorite anime fights ever. Just because of how it was done. It just, it's so cool to see Shiro come up as a character. You know, he does have pro-tag syndrome where he's like, I gotta save my friends, I'm the martyr of the world, and I will save my harem too, because I, I do remember, I feel like I remember uh, Unlimited Blade Works being, you know, kind of not so much Holy Grail War-esque, but actually no, I should give you that little synopsis. So in all the Fate series, usually there is a um, a Holy Grail War going on, and what that means is masters are chosen based on any random different factors i think it's kind of randomized but depending on the series and what entry point you're in um but they are assigned a servant or they summon a servant to basically help them in this holy grail war if they win they get the holy grail and they get to make a wish if they don't they die (laughs) like seriously if you want a really good way to get into the Fate series, I'd recommend Fate Extra. That's how I got into it, and I was completely blind to Shiro and everything else. I just knew Fate Extra, and I went into it. Fate Extra lost on or last encore. You know the anime for Fate Extra, so good, so good. I love, even though Nero is not. You know, my favorite character from the extra series. She's up there. I'm, I'm waiting for Tamamo. I'm waiting for Tamamo to get an anime, damn it. Because, um, like, it's interesting. Uh, you have Fate Extra. You have Fate Extra CCC, which introduces BB. Uh, you have Fate Extra, uh, uh, which was, like, I can't... There's an extra part to that. I can't remember the secondary part. But it was basically a Dynasty Warriors game. And then you had the sequel to that. That was like Fate Extra, that, that, Extend. And it was so, so good. I I still got to go through Fate Extra. Like, that's been one of those games that... Or not Fate Extra. uh, The Dynasty Warriors game version of it. Because that's been one of those games that every now and again I'll turn on. And it's just... You know, it's my chill game. I haven't had a chance to play it in a long while. So I might restart. Anyway... Fate series and overall, except for Prisma Ilya, give it a watch, give it a play, you will like it, you will have favorite characters, your favorite characters may die. Just giving you that heads up too. And at the end of the day, Shiro is best cook. I inspired to be a cook to the level of Shiro's capability. Anyway...
let's talk about, you know, instead of a dark, depressing type anime that occasionally is fate, uh, this next one is a very comedy-driven anime. It's one of my favorite ones of recent years. Uh, I ended up watching this next one at a con with a couple of buddies. This is probably why it's up there on my list, too. But this next one is called Gabriel Dropout. Now, this one I actually remember pretty well. So, the whole premise of Gabriel Dropout is eventually angels and demons have a pilgrimage to the human world for a couple of years. It's comedy, like I said. Um, They have a pilgrimage to the human world for a couple of years, and I think they either decide at that point to come back to the angel world or the demon world, or they continue to stay there. I can't remember that part 100%. But... Our story revolves around Gabriel, who is the top of her class uh, when she's departing for the human world. Absolutely, like, all A student, honors across the board. People are sad when she's leaving. First day on Earth, first week on Earth, she becomes a neat. Her abilities, like her, you know, academics and all, plummet. She just don't give a fuck anymore. She plays game like, I think she ends up um, finding an RPG on her computer, because they give her, like, a basic entry kit, and it's like, here's the stuff you need to survive in the human world and go to, you know, human high school, and she ends up finding, like, an RPG that people are like, oh, I need a healer, and ends up becoming addicted to it. It's so funny to see her transformation to, like... You know, this amazing angel upon all angels to basically fuck this, fuck that, fuck you. To the point where her halo gets corrupted. It's good. Um, and now, on the, contra- or on the contrary, you have, you know, and mind you, there are two main angels. Uh, there's Gabriel, and I can't remember the secondary angel. I, she's sadistic. I remember that. Like, very, it, she appears very wholesome, but continuously bullies Satania, which is one of the main uh, demon girls who tries to act as the antagonist for the series that keeps fucking up in a myriad of ways. But there's, I want to say, the other girl is Lucifer. I'm not sure if that's right. But anyway, she is like, you know, comes up to human world and is basically the most angelic demon known to, you know, ever walked. Like, she isn't, you know, Gab's level of, you know, kind, or like, uh, holy and all that kind of stuff. But she is kind, she is caring, she worries about her friends, she wants them su- to succeed. Like, she does none of the things a demon should do, in contrast to Satania that tries to do all the things that a demon should do to, like, cause mischief and take over the human race! And, (laughs) um, you know, basically ends up fucking herself over. Like, there's this really good scene where, uh, Satania comes up to Gab with a gun. Like, a straight-out Glock. And points at her. And she's like, this, or today's the day I beat you, Angel! And she's like, you're not doing that correctly. Give it here. And she's like, what? Uh, uh, okay. And, like, gives Gab the gun Gab takes it, cocks it, and shoots her clean. And everybody's just like, bro, what the fuck? (laughs) It's such a lighthearted and happy-go-lucky anime. Like, I don't remember if there there was a little bit of drama introduced towards the end. Um, But overall, 
it was just a feel-good anime that I remember very fondly that I actually do want to see if I can get my lovely Jules to watch it with me because I think she'd really like it too. Um, But again, highly recommend that one. Now, on to more comedy. In fact, a lot of these following are mainly comedies except for one uh, that I have listed here. But number seven goes to The Daily Lives of High School Boys. Now, this was another comedy-focused anime. This one's more of a skit comedy type show where you have a group of guys. I can't remember all their names, but they get themselves in, like, different situations that, like, high school guys would get themselves involved in. Like, they're playing, or they're using imagination to, you know, pass a summer day. Uh, they, it, it's very Monzai comedy-esque, where there's usually one wild man and one straight man, and then one person in between that's just like, bro, what the fuck is even going on? Now, I don't want to tell you a whole bunch about this, because I don't want to, it's, I almost want to say it's similar to Pop Team Epic, if you've seen that, except more contained. To give you an example, alright, I will explain one of the mini episodes within an episode. So, the boys find themselves a stick. And all of a sudden, now mind you, group of three boys. Boy A picks up stick. Boy B. Bum, 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 bum. Hero has equipped the sword. And he's just like, what? And so they're walking, or like, you've gotten the sword. And as they're walking, boy C, you've, uh, Hero has taken five damage. Hero has taken five damage. Hero has taken five damage. And it's just like, why am I taking damage? Well, you didn't equip the sword. You're holding it by the blade. <laughs> you know? And they come up like this whole world that, like an RPG world where like different characters are coming and going. They're doing different voices. Like, by all means, this reminds me so much of what I would do with my friends in high school. Like, they end up, it's like, uh, having this Final Fantasy-esque story where they're facing up against each other. And then, like, the second a group of cute girls passes by them, they get all shy and flustered and they drop the stick and start walking away. Like, man, we, we really look like a fool, huh? And then the next group of boys, all right, because there's, like, six guys that really make up this show. The next three come up, and he pick, one of them picks up the stick again because he's like, oh, this is a cool stick, picks it up. And then immediately uh, another dude's like, Heroes taking five damage. It's like, the fuck? <laughs> I wish I could describe that show better. It is just one of those off-the-wall comedies that is still grounded in reality. And I think if you ever had, like, a group of high school friends that you were kind of stupid, like, you did stupid things with, you will feel right at home with this one. Number six. All right, this is one of my very first anime. Uh, my Bride is a Mermaid. Okay. So, let me give you the premise of this one. I kind of remember this one pretty well. So, our main character, Nagasuki, is swimming out on the beach. Or swimming out on the ocean with his family. They're on a summer vacation. And, for whatever reason, Nagasuki uh, ends up, like, drowning. And as he's about to die, a mermaid, our heroine, Seto-san, um rescues him, pulls him to the surface, so on and so forth. 
our boy falls in love hardcore. And it's just like, I want to see her again. I want, like, I can't believe this is real. So on and so forth. And he's on this, like, dreamy day haze for most of episode one after the fact. Well, then he sees his, like, this mermaid girl on solid land. And she's like, I have to kill you. The premise of this show, and that's where the comedy just really starts to kick off from there. The prem- It's a romantic comedy. Um, the premise of the show is if a human sees a mermaid's true form, they have to die. Now, Nagasaki's way to get around that is, well, what if I marry into the family? Because the family, like the mermaids, are like the Yakuza, or maybe closer to the mafia, but... You know, same type of thing. Where he's like, well, what if I marry into the family? And ultimately, it starts this whole, like, she says yes to protect him kind of thing. And it's them getting to know each other and, like, all the wacky hijinks. Because the dad absolutely hates Nagasaki. Because Nagasaki is taking his precious daughter away from him. And he can't fucking stats, like stand it. So, in order to keep, or in order to break Nagasaki and San up, or Sun up, um, they end up working at Nagasaki's school as like the principal, the homeroom teacher, the uh, PE teacher is like, um, I think that's the shark. I can't remember. Or maybe he's the octopus. I can't remember. Um, and then you have Masasan, the greatest character in all of anime. People swoon for Masasan. Like Nagasaki has his first kiss with Masasan, and he falls in love with Masasan. Like every time he sees Masasan, just like Masasan, ah, <laughs> it's so good. Um, and obviously, you know, more characters come on along the way. You have Saru, who is Nagasaki's friend, that gives him constant shit. Uh, you have the childhood friend that's in love with Nagasaki. Um, then you have San's original, like, fiancé-to-be. You have San's cousin, Luna, um, who... It, or San, I think is her name. Um, who's, like, a rival idol that... Or, like, it, no, she's an idol. Luna is an idol. She's Lunar, or Lunar, the idol. Um... But ends up finding about, like, this marriage and she gets jealous and she wants Nagasaki for herself. It has the premise of a generic rom-com, but I guarantee you it's so fucking off the walls with the way it does it. Because they give absolutely no fucks about Nagasaki's well-being. His parents actively try and sell him out constantly. Like, they love the fact that Son has joined the family. But he's just, like, every time they talk about Nagasaki, he's just like, my disappointment of a son. My loser son. And it's just like, bro. Bro. <laughs> um, and then, like, there's assassins and all that shit involved. It does have a bit of drama towards the end. But all in all, I highly recommend it. It's very funny. And if you really like good music, the OP is, I think it's like Summertime Romantic is the name of it. I'm not entirely sure about that one. But that one, like, I still remember, like, the main chorus. It's just like, You know, You know, 
it honestly very very funny show and i think by now now that we've kind of gotten halfway you kind of have a good idea about what anime i really like is my top like 10 now though all right if i haven't sold you on romantic comedies yet i have eh, well you know you could probably count four as one as well but number five kaguya sama love is war all right so this one is another one on the twist of the romantic comedy subplot where we are very well aware at the very beginning of the show that both characters, Shirogame and Kaguya, are in love with each other. All right? They're absolutely in love with each other. They're fully infatuated. They want to be in love with each other. But the premise of the show is whoever immense love first loses. So every episode is I can't remember if it's every episode or every, you know, part of an episode um goes over their mini wars with each other to try and make the other confess first. All right? And to kind of show like that the other cares. Now, there's a couple of other characters in there too that like really I think her name's Fubuki. No, it doesn't sound right. Pink-haired I can't remember her name. Uh, I see her in my head. Um, she's like the treasury. And then there's... Oh, God. Shiro... No. I don't... I can't remember the other names of the characters right now. It's all... all the, more, the more that I talk, the more my brain starts to fry. And honestly, I realize I shouldn't be talking so much about anime and all without having more detailed notes. But damn it, I'm going through this like it's a treasury. I'm going to do this. Oh, my God. Anyway, so, to give you an example of, you know, the type of things that they go against each other. I believe this is in season two. Because there's a couple of seasons of the show out already. Um, There's one point where they're on summer vacation. And Kaguya wants to follow Shirogane on Twitter. Alright? And Shirogane has his account privated. Now, Kaguya has no idea how computers work. And basically, you know, is asking her maid how all this works. Because mind you, both of these people come from very affluent families. Kaguya is from one of the richest families, is going to be, you know, inheriting a bunch of money and power. While Shirogane, I don't know what all he had off the top. I think he was kind of... You know, more on the poorer side of things, but he worked super hard and people believed he had power because of that. I don't fully remember where that balance laid. But anyway, um, so Kaguya, again, has no clue how computers work. And at one point, you know, summer vacation, she wants to follow Shirogane on Twitter. His account's locked. She's talking to her maid and she's like, oh yeah, no. You know, his account's just locked. And Kaguya looks at her and she's just like, How do I get the key, though? How, how, where does one get the key? And she's like, Oh, well, if you just click the follow button, you know, Shirogane will get a message saying that, Hey, Kaguya wants to follow you and he can accept you from there. She has this whole fucking meltdown where she imagines Kaguya or uh, Shirogane's. Um, Twitter account like a house and she just starts 
beating at the door and she's like Shirogane, I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know your 140 character prose. And he opens the thing, or he opens like the window, and he's just like, "Oh, so you want to know about my 140 character memoirs, huh? Well, very well, I can let you in." And he like materializes the key, and he's had, "Oh, that's so very cute." Because that's the thing too is like one of the running jokes and like catchphrases is Kaguya. Absolutely, whenever she thinks she has the upper hand, we'll hit him with the Okali Kota, which is, oh, that's so cute, you know, or how cute. And he hits her with it back, and she absolutely loses it. She ends up losing that fight because, you know, she didn't have the courage to hit follow. All in all, like, and there's so many different, like, fights that they get into they you know win they lose or like someone win or sometimes they end in wins for one sometimes they end in draws sometimes other side characters get to win because they just somehow get involved in it and by all means it's funny as fuck highly recommend it um now this last one is probably the last high school anime well no it's the last high school rom-com anime. Have you guys ever heard of Haganai, I Don't Have Many Friends? If you haven't, you might have heard of Senna, you know, who back in the day used to be a pretty kind of poster child for, like, cute anime girls. Uh, blonde hair, blue eyes, but pretty stacked figure, honestly, for a high school student. Um, but, butterfly in her hair... But, hmm, excuse me. Ah, oh, man, that hurt. Sorry about that. Um, I realize I've been talking now for like an hour, ten minutes. Jesus. How do you guys let me keep talking like this? Oh, man, somebody needs to come through with a timer and a bat and just like slap me across the face with a bat when I get past a certain time. Jesus. Anyway, Hog and I is basically, again, one of those flips on the romantic comedy um, now, this one's more comedy upfront, romance later, and then kind of gravitates towards romance. Um, anime out there. There's two seasons out. We're never getting a season three. I fully admit that. If we get, you know, Hog and I next plus, I will be so excited. But anyway, so the whole premise of this show is it's a group of characters, a group of friends, well, not even friends, group of people in high school that have no friends. So they make the Neighbors Club a group that is made to making friends, all right? And the whole plot behind a lot of the episodes is they want to do friend-type things. Like, they want to go to the beach. They want to go out to the movies. They want to go, you know, to a water park. They want to have a spend-the-night type thing. Um, And it's all, like, genuinely wholesome things. But each character is so off the walls in themselves, all right? You have Kodaka. Oh my god, I actually remember these names. Holy shit. Uh, you have Kodaka, who's your main, who, because of his brown hair, blonde, or brown and blonde, brown and blonde hair, ugh, say that ten times fast, uh, is kind of looked at as a Yankee, which is, you know, a uh, outcast, or not an outcast, a bad boy in high school, in like, you know, Japanese high schools. Um, so people think he's like tough and rough and all that shit, when really he's the nicest guy out there. 
uh, you have, I can't remember her actual name, but I remember her nickname, uh, wait, no, Yozura, Yozura, I think that was her name, I think it was her name, Yozura, um, who is kind of the bossy type that, you know, kind of demands things out of the other club members, uh, you have somebody that is a maid, you have a, Rinka, the scientist, uh, I forget who the maid was, or not the maid, uh, the nun, there's a nun character that she's, like, super young and gets along with Kotoka's little sister, and then you have, you know, Senna and Yozura, who are your main, you know, buttheads against each other, because you have the popular girl, and you have the not-so-popular girl. You have the girl that loves, or Senna being the girl that loves games, and Yozura being, I don't think her name's Yozura now that I'm saying it. I feel like that might have been just some character on the show that was like a side thing. If I'm getting these names mixed up, I am so sorry. I wish, I wish I was talking about this on like actual Twitch, so that way you guys could be like, "That's not her name, dumbass," and I'll be like, "Oh, I'm sorry." <laughs> like it's been so long since I think about or I thought about a lot of these anime, and it's like I. I have a really good memory for long-term things when it comes to my life. When it comes to media and stuff, some of that just does not stick with me after a while. Like, especially if I've read so many things that are similar, it all blends together. Like, I can tell you about my high school life, my middle school life, my elementary school life, a lot easier than I can tell you about, you know, high school rom-com anime of the week. That said, I do remember it being very funny. It has a lot of, you know, of those... It is a little more on the etchy side of things. And that was kind of like one of the last shows that I watched that was similar to that. That was more fan service than not at times. Um, but, again, I watched this in English. This English dub is fucking legendary. And there's a reason why. This is one of the ones Jaleel and I watched, too. But... There was one scene where two background characters that don't have any name or face or anything like that, they're walking away. It's sunset. And you just all of a sudden hear, So, Mary, what are we going to do today? The same thing we do every night, so-and-so, trying to take over the world. Like, they have so many pop culture jokes to, like, early 2000s and 90s type humor that it just oozes character. It's almost like ghost stories in that regard where they had a lot of freedom. Um, Now, obviously, ghost stories went way too fucking far with it, but it's still funny as fuck. But Hug and I is definitely reined in. It has some guidance, but they still get to slide in jokes like that here and there. And I just absolutely... I love it. It's so funny. And, you know, I might actually go back and watch that one, you know, here soon enough just because I just... I had a lot of fun with that one. And I remember every time I showed it to my friends, it was just really, you know, funny. And we had a good laughs, and we'd make jokes about it later on. And then we'd all cry that season three is never fucking coming out. And I should just buy the manga and go on about my life about that. But anyway, now here is a fucking curveball for you motherfuckers. This next one is a very, very depressing anime. This one's called Planetarium, The Reverie of a Little Planet. Now, some of you might know that name because it's a visual novel first. Um, 
It is, I think overall it takes maybe like 10 hours to beat, if even. It's a very short visual novel with one ending. It is about a dystopian future where humanity is almost all but wiped out. Day in and day out, there is rain beating down, like acid rain beating down on the world. People haven't seen the sun in years. And for whatever reason, robots are wa- like war machines are walking the earth, um, trying to eliminate any humans they find because they've just been programmed to continuously keep fighting. That's where we meet our main character, our scavenger. I don't remember his name. I don't think they actually ever gave him a name. Um, he's currently going from place to place, and he ends up finding a mall. And at the very top floor of the mall, as he's searching through, he runs into a robot. And I can't really remember her name off the top. I feel like her name's like Luna or something like that. But I don't... No. Hoshi? No. Hakam? No. I... It's not going to help me try to remember. And I'm just going to take away the point of it. But there's a robot up there. Who's asking... Planet, I think it was, in Japanese it was like planetarium ni ikaga de shoka. Won't you come to the planetarium? She's been sitting there. Hoshino, you may me, you may me. That's it. That's her name. Hoshino, you may me. Um, she's been sitting there ever since the beginning of this war. Constant, like coming out every now and again to advertise. You know, the planetarium. She doesn't realize what has happened to the world. Where everybody else is. She's just out there. Like, trying to get people to come to this planetarium. Our main character sees her. And thinks, well, maybe there's resources there. And agrees to go. He's the 1,000th customer. Or 100,000th. Or maybe 1 millionth customer. And he gets to see a free showing of... You know, the planetarium. But unfortunately, the projector, Miss Jenna, doesn't work. Across five episodes, I believe it is, you see these two characters interact. And he, you know, a war-torn, basically ragged, you know, human, interact with something so innocent and so childlike. It prompts a feeling of safety that he hasn't felt in a long time. The reason I remember... And this is part of that photogenic memory of mine. The reason why I remember this one so well... Is because there's a song... Like a piano melody that plays in the VN that gets to play in the anime. It's called Gentle Jenna. That song conveys so much emotion... I'm not going to spoil any more than that. When, you know, the setting is set. It, I can fully admit, I cry every time I watch that. It, it's heartbreaking. As somebody, like, if you've ever kind of gone through desperation 
and depression, it feeds on that. It feeds on the human nature of despair. And it gives you hope. And it's such a warm and pure feeling of hope that I hope you guys will go out and either like either play the visual novel or watch the OVA. I think there's a movie of it too that you can watch. And experience that. Don't look up anything more than that. Just go experience Planetarian, the reverie of a little planet. You will not regret it. Anyway, let's talk about more comedy. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, the second one, and this, fir- this first and second one, like, the second one definitely has more of my comedy needs while being realistic at times. And the last one, my number one favorite anime, definitely plays on more of the planetarian. Like, it's kind of a combination of this next one and planetarian. So, next one's Konosuba. This one's super fucking obvious because if you find me on, like, any social media that I don't have the Plumes logo set up on, like, that is just straight out Cosmo. Like, I've made the joke for a long time, friends of mine have made the joke, that Cosmo wishes that he was me IRL. Because I can be just as snarky, I can be just as blunt, I can absolutely hit you with some of the best jokes here and there that just randomly happen off the wall. Because, fuck man, you know, I'm realistic. Like, if you put me in an, an isekai, I would probably be like Cosmo and just be like, this fucking blows. Dude. Like, I just, I just want to, you know, I'd, I'd come in like, oh, man, this is great. I'm just having so much fun. And then I'd realize how much work that has to be done with it. Like, bruh, it's fucking blows. And especially, like, I love Konosuba. I love everything about it. I've played, um, I've played the Mega Man game that came out with it. Um, that, that one was super fucking good. If you haven't played that, it's hard. But a lot of fun there. I think it came out with uh, one of the Blu-rays in Japan. And then there was like a bullet hell type Konosuba game. And then there was a visual novel game. I didn't play that one. I tried to play Konosuba um, Wonderful Days, the mobile game. And I was having fun with it for a while. But I just... The same... Like, the way it felt like Princess Connect. And I never really gave Princess Connect much of a try. Like, it's the same-esque game, just with a different coat of paint. I couldn't. I really wasn't that interested in it. I hear it's doing really well, though. I'm super happy for that. I hear Konosuba's getting a new movie project or anime project, so I'm hoping we get another movie or anime soon. But basically, the premise of Konosuba is this. We start with our main character, Kazuma, uh, doing what he considers a heroic deed and pushing a girl out of the way of an oncoming, to what he thinks, truck. Well... It turns out that was not a truck. That was actually a tractor. And the girl would have been completely fine if he didn't do that. He just actually died of a heart attack when he did it from the shock of it. And he pissed his pants when he did it. So, Aqua, the goddess that's, you know, reviving him. Because basically it's like, you can either go to heaven and that's it. Or you can start a new life in a fantasy world. And you can have any one thing. From your world and a power, basically. 
or no, you can have like any power, any one thing, um, to go fight in this fantasy war against the Demon King. Ultimately, she ends up popping off with him, and he's like, you know what? I want you to come with me to this world. She's like, no, you can't do that. That's impossible. And it's just like, actually, he can do that. We'll take over for you. And she's like, no! And, you know, that's the start of, you know, Cosmo and Aqua's, you know, crazy adventures in the world of Axel. Um, or the town of Axel, rather. I don't remember what the name of the world is called off the top. But you get crazy, bizarro characters that are just really plays off. It's almost like Devil's a Part-Timer in the way that plays off the isekai trope. Where it makes more fun of isekais than anything else. Like, Kazuma is not by any means some OP hero. He is... He's, like, realistic. He's selfish. He, you know, he's he comes through in a pinch. He always comes through in a pinch. But he's arrogant. He's kind of, you know, he's toxic at the end of the day. And everybody just kind of, like, bullies each other. But at the end of the day, you also have, like, this a really sweet family dynamic between him and the rest of the group. And it's just, all in all, like, if you like, if you like... Uh, kind of juxtapositions on isekais. I highly recommend Konosuba. Um, and if not, if not because Cosma is like drops some of the greatest fucking lines in anime history, like dude straight up says with the entirety of his chest, uh, "I will drop kick a woman. I'm a or I'm a advocate for true gender equality. I can't stand when a woman, you know, only considers her femininity when you know." It can be used in her advantage, and I will drop kick a woman if I need to. Like my dude goes hard in the paint, and I love him. He's so good. It does have like there's a couple of you know fan servicey type scenes. The OVAs are very fan service heavy. You don't have to watch them, but if that's your thing, by all means watch them. They're funny as fuck. I recommend them. Um, like one of the OVAs is Cosma ends up getting this choker put around his neck that is supposed to grant a wish, right? Like, you're supposed to make a wish, put it on, and once the wish comes true, the choker comes off. And so it's supposed to be like a weight loss thing to motivate people to lose weight, and then once you hit that target weight, you know, it comes off. Because otherwise, it keeps tightening until you die. So Cosma can't remember why, because it accidentally falls on him and it claps on him, and he can't remember why for the life of him, why, or what his wish was. So the group, or the party, does, like, everything in their power to try and, like, satisfy all of his wishes to get that to come off. And the ending of it is fucking hilarious. I don't want to spoil it. But there's one point where he's just reconciling with all the girls because he's like, I realize I'm probably going to die here. So I just want to say a couple of things to you. And at one point he looks at one of the characters and he's like, Darkness, whenever I see you, I see boobs. You are boobs to me. (laughs) By all means, please, please give it a read, a watch. Uh, I actually read the light novel for it for a good while because the manga was behind and I wanted to see what happened. And the light novel's really good for it too. But now here we are at 
what my number one anime is. My top anime. Now, are you reaching past the past podcast? Jesus Christ, I really gotta put a timer on these things. Ugh. My number one anime. Alright, guys. My number one man- anime is an anime that probably none of you have heard of called Maharomatic. And what Maharomatic is, is a romantic comedy action sci-fi type conglomeration. We start off in a war where our main character, Mahoro, is fighting off against the Vesper aliens. I believe it's aliens, at least. Um, And ultimately, she's a combat android that is built to fight. Well, she's top fighter, and we see her come back after a critical win, and she's in front of all the generals, and the generals go up to her and say, hey, um, if you keep fighting like this, you will deactivate in 15 days. Like, you have, like, a month to continue fighting like this. Or we can repurpose you, and you can spend whatever time left we can give you doing whatever you want, because I actually know what I think the agency she worked for was Vesper, um, but she was fighting some intergalactic terror or whatever. But anyway, um, or we can repurpose you, and you can spend whatever time you have left doing whatever you want. So she decides to be a maid. We now flip the scene. Our main character, I want to say his name's Subaki. I don't know if that's right. I'm, I'm hearing voices in my head, and I want to say his name's Subaki. Whatever. I might be wrong on that one, because it's getting late and I'm getting tired. <laughs> it's getting close to midnight. But anyway, we flip over to our side character, or our main male character. He's living in a desolate house by himself. There's trash everywhere. Has no family to his name. Just an inheritance. Um, he ends up deciding to hire a maid. Because he's just... I think he's a middle school student in this. And... You know, his friends are all worried about him. He's not really doing great at school, so on and so forth. He hires the maid, and Mahoro answers the call. What follows is one of the most heartwarming and heart-wrenching animes I've ever seen. Where we see the boy reopen himself to humanity. Despite everything that's happened to him. despite Because we find out his father is dead. His mother is dead which I can relate to, except not on the mother's side. Um, But he... I think it's established pretty early on, by the way, so this isn't a spoiler. But he's, you know, detracted from human life. He's a middle school student, and he's lost his parents. He lives by himself. He can't really take care of himself kind of thing. And Mahoro gradually opens him back up to being, you know, a middle school kid. You know, she teaches him about... She doesn't really teach him anything. 
she takes care of the house and encourages him to go out and be a better person. And, you know, they basically grow together because, mind you, she is 100% combat, like a combat-ready android. She doesn't really know how to relax and how to enjoy life and to really get to, you know, enjoy the things that she spent her operating time defending against. And on the opposite, we had somebody or we have somebody that had that lost it and is reclaiming that innocence and that joy. Mahodomatic is two seasons long. Alright, I believe it's twenty four episodes. It by the end of it, you will cry. Because you will see such an evolution of the characters. All the characters really. Um it's com it has a lot of comedy, but there is a lot of action and at the end of every episode you get to see how long Mahoro has left until she shuts down. In every episode it's almost like Unis Honest. If you guys ever seen like the Markiplier um Markiplier crank gameplays uh one year thing from like twenty nine or twenty twenty when COVID really kicked off. Um at the end of every episode, you're reminded she will die. She will shut down. Now, does it end with her shutting down? I can't tell you that. But you see it, and you are reminded that every minute you get to spend, like at least in my watching of it, you are reminded that every minute you get to spend is precious. Because you don't realize, like she doesn't know, or I think she might know, but he doesn't know that she will eventually cease to work. And it talk, and it really is an expression of enjoy every moment you can with your friends and your family. Because you don't know when it's going to end. We all know, like when we go to bed, we don't have a timer that ticks down and says, you will die in X amount of days. It is very much a story about recovery from depression and allowing yourself to have fun and allowing yourself to be open to love and care and receive love, it will hurt you. It absolutely will. And, you know, there's a couple... Like, there are lighthearted scenes. Like, a lot of it is lighthearted. But a lot of it cuts. You can't hide the shadows of the past forever. From both his side and hers. And that's all I'm going to say about it. It's an older anime. If you can find it, by all means, watch it. I love it, 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 love it. There's manga of it. I own all eight volumes of it. It's so good. Please, do yourself a favor and watch that one. Anyway, alright, so, I... Now that I realize I've been talking for an hour 35, um... I was going to toss in a couple of, like, extra stories about, like, how I fell into anime or, like, fell down the anime rabbit hole, how it started, um, and then, like, how it's going, uh, the evolution of anime with me and, like, 
how I ended up sticking with manga. I've already kind of touched base on that. But honestly, I will probably save that for another episode when I talk about manga. Because manga, there's so many manga that I read that I want to talk about with people. And just have like a full-on discussion about manga that I really like that hasn't received an anime. Um, and some that just recently received an anime that you guys need to go watch. Like, Komi Can't Communicate is up there. Um, please don't tease me, Miss Nagatoro. Or don't bully me, Miss Nagatoro. That one's really good. Uh, there's a couple of other ones I'm sitting down. Like, I can see in my head. Rent a Girlfriend's really good. Um, uh, Fly Me to the Moon. That one's really good. By all means, I could talk to y'all all night about that kind of shit. But I'm going to save those questions for another time when I have another topic. Um, and, you know, when I'm talking about manga. But I do want to get to the question of the night. Which is, again, from our dear Reimu. What is the single most important ingredient to define your favorite dishes? Alright. So, this one, honestly, it changes based on the recipe I'm making. But nine, like 99.9 times, or 99.9 times out of 100, uh, it is garlic. Is garlic powder, is garlic, is some form of garlic, because I'm Italian. Like, we use garlic in so many different things. It really, like, I could go with the cliche, oh, it's love, in which I do love every meal that I make. And when I'm making it for other people, I definitely take more consideration of that. And I'm less experimental 100% of the time. And it's just like, I want to make a really good meal for people. And I want this to be the best meal. But if you ever see me reach for a spice or anything that's not on the uh, ingredients list, nine times out of ten, it's garlic. Like, I love having that, like, hint of garlic to things. I think it brings out a lot of flavor. Um, if you add too much, it adds, like, kind of a zing to the, like, when you bite it, and that's not good whatsoever. Nobody likes that. Um, but if you have just the right amount where you can smell it in the air when it comes out of the oven, uh, garlic, like, homemade garlic butter, or har- little, uh, homemade garlic bread, absolutely one of my favorite things to make. Uh, making the bread from scratch, making the garlic butter from scratch. It is so fucking good. And I'm surprised I haven't made it on stream for Friday nights yet. Um, mainly because my bread that I make for y'all and the bread I used to make back in the day is completely different because I had different tools that I could use. Um, but, and a lot of the time too, I didn't end up making the bread. It was somebody else in my family that would and I'd make the garlic butter. But, which was a great tool, I will say. (laughs) Um... But garlic, by far, is my usual go-to. If I had to come up with another answer, um, I say tuna. I add tuna to a lot of different recipes that really you don't think would require it. Like, I, anytime I make pasta, like when I'm not cooking on stream and I'm doing something easy for myself, I will add tuna to any pasta that I'm making. Like butter pasta, I will grab one of those... Um, Chicken of the Seas, or whatever the hell brand it is, um, that has the flavor in it already, like the barbecue chicken, or not the barbecue chicken, uh, well, hot sauce, 
uh, the barbecue flavor. There's bacon ranch. There's ranch. Uh, there's bunch of different things i like as much as i want to go into detail about it i'm pulling a blank because i've been talking for nearly two hours <laughs> i'm finding my limit finally um it's not even a limit it's more so i it's getting later and later and i'm trying to maintain my thoughts in a coherent way before the nighttime sillies come through because i i don't know if i've ever really talked about this i know i talked about during the 24 hour stream where after a certain point, my filter and my uh, thought process go out the wall because I'm tired. And I will end up talking about random things. I'll make jokes about stupid things. For a lot of people, it's a super funny time. It's almost like I'm sleep drunk. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want this recorded for all time for the internet to hear. Uh, but anyway, no. So tuna is one of those that I'll just toss in, especially if I just didn't want to add protein to something that doesn't have protein in it, and I'm trying to hit my protein goal for the day. Fucking pack of tuna, man. It's 70 calories, maybe 140, uh, depending on which brand and which type. All delicious. Hell, last night uh, after stream, I realized I didn't eat dinner because I got home so late from work. And I ended up making, like, this quick salad. I took spinach, cheese, and, like, two different packs of ranch tuna. And I mixed it all together. That shit was fucking fire. I know it was probably because I was hungry. But, damn, that shit hit in all the right ways. Put, like, a little bit of pepper to it, too. Ooh. Ooh, it's so yummy. <laughs> but, anyway, guys. Seriously, I just want to say thank you all so much. If you have survived to the hour 41 point that we're in right now um and you listen to me ramble about all these different animes that i love uh thank you so much for being here part of it it's been a lot of fun i hope that i've opened your eyes to a couple of new series that you never heard about that you want to go try uh just real quick to hit everything my honorable mentions because now it's been an hour past since i last talked about them uh, my honorable mentions, Samurai Champloo, Symphogear, Gungrave, Wacky TV Na Na Na, and Welcome to Demon School Iramakun. I hope you give those a watch. But more so than anything, I hope you watch my top tens, which are uh, The Devil's a Part-Timer, Fate Stay Night, Unlimited Blade Works, Gabriel Dropout, Daily Lives of High School Boys, My Bride is a Mermaid, Kaguya-sama, Love is War, uh, Hog and I, I Don't Have Many Friends, I don't. The Planetarian, The Reverie of a Little Planet, Konosuba, and most of all, Maharomatic. But I hope you guys will reach out and watch these shows and have a good time with them. Or cry. You know, do what I do and just fucking bawl your eyes out. Um, and I hope you enjoy them. I hope we can talk about them soon on the next you know, Twitch stream after this podcast goes live. But you can find me at twitch.tv slash phantasmaplumes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at phantasmaplumes. Or you can send questions, comments, concerns, and requests for plumes, pearls, of wisdom over to plumescast, which is P-L-U-M-E-S-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. I really want to hear your opinions on things. I want to hear your top ten list, too. Like, introduce me to shows that you really like. And let's, you know, let's have, like, conversations and shit. I want to know what you guys are into. And I want to know where you agree with me and where you disagree with me. But anyway, guys, seriously, thank you all so much for being here. Um, 
thank you, like, really just thank you all so much for listening in. And as always, I'll talk to you again from the stars very soon. But until next time, everybody, have a wonderful night, and I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.